1: Another ominous and yet somehow inviting start to the latest edition of Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. Hello, I'm Nikki Dakota, your host. Joined live, sitting around a very cozy coffee table this time, to my left, your radio right, is the lovely, talented Mr., let's just call him, our man at the Library of Congress. He is the Nitrate Film Archivist there, and we call him friend George Williman. Hey.
2: Hello, Nikki. Hello, everyone. It's so good to be back in Ohio. <laughs>
1: Isn't it nice? It's good to see you, too. Also, we, we see a lot of uh, Jay Todd. <laughs> we see plenty of you in Ohio, but once again, it is actually nice to see you, Jay Todd Anderson. Storyboard artist to all the big stars. Also, um, quite the I'm movie I'm lovely and talented, mind. too, you RFI. are I You're at least talented, clearly. <laughs> Clearly a talented talented. man. (laughs) Working with the Coen brothers and uh, many, many movies that we know and love. He is our friend, J. Todd Anderson. J. Todd.
2: Always a fine pleasure to be in your presence, Nikki. (laughs) I think we can say without argument that he is the most talented storyboard artist in this room at this
1: moment. We were having
2: storyboard draw-offs before we started the show
1: and,
0: and I just had to impress my insecurity levels and I said, no, no, I'm the best
1: here. Well, you're we're lucky because
2: my stick men always end up with one leg shorter than the
1: other. So pay close attention. Those characters
0: are called
2: Eileen. <laughs>
1: Toward the end of the show, we will be giving this pile of storyboard artists signed out to the winner yeah, of our trivia f- question. A bunch of stick drawings coming in today. It's something we call Filmically Perfect, and every Friday we come together to celebrate some of the finest images laid to nitrate or, I guess, uh, magnetic, safety magnetic. to safety, safety fill, film. Any of these. And uh, the 1961 classic, The Misfits, is what brings us here. Yeah, we today. decided
0: that. Since it's January and it's 2008, we're going to start it all off with some bright, cheery, cheery <laughs> drama. Happy here. love of life.
2: I mean, just positive.
0: When you're sitting around looking about, you know, You know, those Ohio skies just aren't going to part. Just think. There's the Misfits. You can go down and check that baby out and, and just wonder how good
2: you have it. All right. I mean, you can watch this movie at the end. You can say... Boy, my life doesn't suck half
0: as bad as these people, <laughs> and mind. these people were stars at yeah. one time.
1: <laughs> so, gentlemen, you know uh, this this notion of arriving at perfect filmdom perfection. Yes, of we, film. as we've talked
0: before, we have a board meeting, and then they <laughs> they pass around the table, and then there's always that one guy, that one guy,
2: Budinski.
0: Budinski always does, he's picking out stupid films like Down with Love. Oh,
1: and, oh, 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 oh. That is a good film, and you gentlemen are going to come around to my way of thinking. There you have it. Nikki, yeah.
0: she's forcing us to watch this film, folks. So one of these days, we're going to have to get on this show, and we will have to please her.
1: You will. And not, not just that, but then you're going to have to do uh, uh, Love, actually. But anyway, that's down Why? the road. Anyway, <laughs> Bud
0: keeps suggesting this film because he's in love with Nikki Dakota. Oh bless him. And letters and everything. But George and I routinely take the rubber stamp and say, no, no, no. Right on his forehead. <laughs> yep and then it goes into the little plastic tube and goes up to our office in the 132nd floor and then this week we just happened to pull the um, the thing that was leveling our pool table and it was The Misfits <laughs> and we pulled it out there and it's a perfect movie because rule number one it uh, creates the world to exist in The Misfits does yes it does and it totally uh,
1: the stains that world <laughs> I'm sorry and regardless of
0: changes in society it retains its meaning and entertainment value
2: Misfits, that is. Yes. yes, And and unlike other cheesy lists, <laughs> The Misfits will never be put in any alphabetical or numerical order. It stands on its own two feet. It's a great movie.
1: Yes. And I will not even mention any further rules because I actually do agree this time around. Um, but we'll throw in rule six just because we like it. <laughs> because it's fun to say. <laughs> so, um, I have to say, the first whole bit of this movie I thought was hokey. Okay, let's first
0: of all, let's remind the audience what we're talking about here. This was um, a movie that starred some of the greatest stars in motion picture history. Clark Cable, Marilyn Monroe, and Montgomery Clift. And these people were all in very, very critically acclaimed films throughout their career. And this was the last film for Marilyn Monroe and Clark Cable.
1: They both died shortly. Right
0: after that. And there's a lot of speculation on who killed who in this movie.
2: <laughs>
1: and, um, in real life. And then
0: Montgomery Clift, he didn't last too much longer.
2: After about this three, film, three, three, three more films, films he was gone by
1: 66. And what was he? What where did he die of?
2: Um, a heart problem.
1: Oh.
0: And Montgomery Cliff is 40 years old in this picture. Clark Gable is about 62. And Marilyn Monroe is 36 years old in this movie. Back in 1961, and, yeah. And okay. Clark and Marilyn probably lasted, I think, six months after this movie was done. That's so oh, that's sad. Yeah.
1: So sad. Something like
0: that. I'm sure somebody will write us and tell us, but. Um, and when you watch this picture, um, what's very eerie about watching the misfits is watching these two stars work with each other on the screen, because there's a lot of truth in what they're doing here. Um, they're dealing with the people whose lives have have pretty much run out,
2: um, and, trying to find so their way, trying to find a new way, a new way to live their old lives. You know, she's a divorcee, newly divorcee. He's an old aging cowboy who at one time, you know, was sort of, you kind of get the idea that he was the sort of, you know, riding the range and punching steers and doing all this great But then everything stuff. changed. He's a hunter-gatherer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Hey,
1: before we do get too far into just the, the generalities, give us a quick overview of the action in the movie, George Williman. The
2: quick overview is um, you have several different people whose lives kind of come together in this. And one of them is is Rosalyn, who's played by Meryl Monroe, who is who's in Reno to get a divorce. And you actually see her her husband, her ex husband, in one scene, and it's Kevin McCarthy, yeah. which is kind of interesting to see him in just this one little bit. And he doesn't look bad. He no, lo-
0: he looks like he's a fine guy. And know? she, yeah. her,
2: uh, her house, um, uh, she is at a boarding house, and Thelma Ritter is her is her house owner and kind of takes so her like to help like den mother, in, yeah. almost in this, yeah. Uh, they sort of meet up with Eli Wallach, who's playing a, a mechanic who's also an airplane pilot, who kind of... He's he, a bomber pilot right, in the, right, the war. Right, in the war, and he kind of falls for Rosalind, but uh, he is hooked up... Everybody
1: falls for right. Rosalind, yes, Marilyn, sure. Marilyn Rose. He's character. hooked up
2: with Clark Gable, whose who's name in this actually is Gaylord, they call him Gay, and um, he's an old cowboy, He's he had a family, you find that he did, he had a wife and a family... He hasn't seen his kids in years, and he's sort of, again, at the end of his rope, he's he's probably too old you know, to be considered as part of a, a real crew on a ranch, so he's you know, basically you find out that he's involved in this really rather distasteful job oh. at the end. And then last but not least is this sort of busted-up Bronco rider um, played by uh, Montgomery Clift, who, who gets even more busted up when he tries to get back on the horse and ride again. And he, too, wants Marilyn Monroe. And he, too, wants Marilyn Monroe.
1: Everybody does.
2: Yeah, all three of the men basically are all after Rosalind. They all have one M.O. in this movie, which that?
1: sets up a, it's a sort of intense kind of and, of and bizarre dynamic, dynamic. Yeah. And she
0: plays them all. She just plays them all. But
1: she sort of has an earnestness about her. It's not as For though about she's 15
2: seconds. <laughs> um... <laughs> well, the three of them, I mean, actually, I mean, Thelma Ritter kind of goes along with them. And then in a really strange turn of events, she they go to this rodeo and she runs into her ex husband of 19 years with his new wife who was her best friend and they go back to her house with her because she's going to put them up. And it's all very week.
1: friendly. It's, yeah, very it's strange. Really strange. and strange. She seems strange. a little sad and yet also a real friendly. She's with not, them. you know,
0: Thelma is pretty happy about being an alcoholic in this movie.
1: <laughs> she's not <laughs> going to worry alcoholic.
0: about being a loser. She's already kind of made her a uh, road and, and she just rides it. Right. She, she has no problems. Um, I'll have another drink I need more. I need more alcohol. I'll right. go get another drink. That's all she talks about and th- she has no inhibitions about yeah, it yeah,
2: and much of this film basically is is these people who have kind of lost their way trying to overcome it and with drink with drink with probably some sort of sexual any kind of diddlings r- and and some stuff like that
0: word. nice word uh, it's like for the first two thirds of the movie, they just ramble tamble down a highway of of lost lives right. And then it breaks
2: out into the clear. Um, well, this is where they finally come because they do have a job they have to do. There's a yeah. certain day they're going to go Mustanging, I think they call it. Yeah. It. And, and she's all excited because it's going to be with horses and they're Horse-wise. going to go out and it's adventurous. And at first, it does look adventurous because they're going to go out and find these horses, these wild horses. And she figures, you know, Rosalind figures they're going to get the horses. And then they'll, you know, they'll bring them in and sell them and, and they'll be. Give
1: them to children but, for ponies.
2: But it turns out that the job that they're doing is gathering up these wild horses to be killed and made into dog cat, food. Dog and cat food.
0: And and Marilyn Monroe is having this wonderful relationship with this hound dog. It's really wild. She's feeding it all the time and. The thing's licking her hands in this one scene. It just goes, oh, they must put peanut butter all over this chick. Yeah. And I'll bet every guy on the set was saying, I wish I was that dog. <laughs> Tom Dooley is the dog's name.
1: Also. No, really? Oh, yeah, wow. Tom I didn't Dooley. notice that. And,
0: and and she's, the dog gets all scared when they go out to get the Mustangs. And ah, don't pay any attention to that dog. He's scared for no reason. And you find out. Dog is responding to the fact that they're going to get the mustangs and bring them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah, isn't it the pilot
1: character that, that you know? says that? Says he knows, you know, what's happening.
2: He knows what's happening, and he doesn't like it. He says, "Yeah." But so you find out about the pilot character, about Eli Wallach's character, that he, um, you know, that his wife died shortly after. They, they he has a house that is unfinished, and the house is be- it's sort of been, becomes a metaphor for all of them because it's his house and it's only half finished, and he has had no desire to finish it. And his wife died, and that's why he hasn't finished the house, and he hasn't finished anything. And he's just kind of become this, this rambling, drunken, you know, working on cars part-time, has his plane. I don't know if he does crop dusting or what, but he uses the plane to scare the horses so they can chase them and catch them.
1: It's very dramatic yeah. footage.
0: Even the opening of this movie is really, really kind of riveting, although it looks very banal. The camera is mounted on the back of a pickup truck. And it's right over the um, the red light on the pickup truck. And uh, they drive, you follow this pickup truck into town and it ends up uh, behind this car that's, you know, having a problem. And Marilyn Monroe comes to the door, but it's a rescue vehicle. It's it's a wrecker. And he goes out there to fix her car. And that's kind of sets the tone for this whole picture. They're all trying to be rescued by something in this movie and it never comes. And what do they do? They go out and start picking on their own kind like misfit horses. Essentially, they're rounding up their own kind
2: and taking them to the uh, right. Because, in in the course of the film, the the first time you hear the word misfits, it is Clark Gable referring to the horses that they're going to go get. He says they're misfits. So, I mean, of course, it also refers to them themselves as being misfits. And, and Marilyn, who no, Monroe, no longer course, can fit into society.
0: She has no stomach. For um, roughhousing in wow well, movie, no. she doesn't like the rodeo, um, and they're out there frolicking in this garden by that guy's house that they have mm-hmm. taken over. Clark Gable and he—he's still coming for that second time around in life with Marilyn Monroe because she presents life to them, and they say that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You are full of life. You're life, and you know you're and- full of life. Yeah. <laughs> And they're in the I'm garden and he's yeah. going, oh, these, are, these are amazing looking lettuce. This is great, Carl Gable, you know. And she's going, oh, this is really wonderful, Clark. He's really wonderful. <laughs> and then he goes, Huh. He gets really mad. It's a rabbit. And he's going to go kill that rabbit. Right. That's but, the way rabbit.
1: Oh, well, he's had the one. Don't you think he'll scamper along? Oh, no. Got and she gets really
0: upset because he going and get his rifle. He's going to kill the little bunny. It's all diffused, of course, because Thelma, the alcoholic, comes pulling up. Hey, right, let's go drink. Yeah. <laughs>
1: A lot I of drinks. <laughs> That's definitely a theme in this. Oh, let's have a little drink, shall we? Let's yeah. Have a hey, little drink.
0: Hey, here you're, you're looking, you're examining his profile in life. This hunter-gatherer guy who can't have small animals running off his crops or anything, you know. But look what he's become in the end of the movie. He's out hunting wild horses for dog food. Oh, it's, it's so sad. You know.
1: There's a certain sad element. There's no doubt about it. We're talking about the misfits, the 1961 film classic starring Marilyn Monroe, Clark Gable, and Montgomery Clift. Right here on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 WYSO. And um I have to say, as far as the plot line, the whole first most of it, I just thought, well, this is just, this is hokey. This is, they're, they're I just, <laughs> I didn't buy it. But I'm telling you what, that the scene when they began to deal with the horses, the rounding up and dealing with the horses, just the horses completely. so vulnerable in these oh. shots. The way
0: John Huston, this is the second movie that we have reviewed by John Huston. The Asphalt Jungle was the first did we do any other ones?
2: I don't think so. Not yet.
1: There's no. some, I'm sure there's more. But, well, he, well, I'm a fan. He obviously. does a
0: nice job shooting this picture. There's not a lot of cutting. It's just all these big open um, profile shots on the salt flats where they've found these horses. And they're, these horses just look so vulnerable when they're tying them all up. And then Marilyn Monroe does her Strasburg freakout scene and runs into the middle of the desert and calls them murderers. murderers. Don't we have something? What well, do we, we have don't have
2: that. We have um, an earlier... Our, Just before that scene, where we know that she is feeling bad about the horses being caught, and she gets into the truck with Eli Wallach. And And they're talking about. I um, have it in my pocket here. Let me find it.
0: There. Oh, there it is. Let me show you what I am. Tell me, Rosalind. Give me a reason and I'll stop it. There'll be hell to pay, but you give me a reason, I'll do it.
2: A reason. You, a sensitive fellow, so sad
0: for his wife, crying to me about the bombs you've dropped and the people you killed. You have to get something to be human? You never felt anything for anybody in your life. All you know is the sad words. You could blow up the world, and all you would feel is sorry for yourself. And I'll tell you, I was on so many dates when I was a kid, and the girl always said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I could never figure out what she's talking about until I saw this movie, and then I thought, I, like, well, oh. I was right all along. Hey.
2: Well, John Huston is so good with these. He loves these characters who are, like, severely damaged. I mean, if you think jungle, about the Asphalt you know? Jungle, you know, yeah. you know, the characters in there are all damaged, and they all have... Uh, They're They're all hobbling along on one leg. Yeah, I always think about like Louis Calhoun being this great lawyer, but he's reduced himself to working with all these underground thugs and it eventually kills him.
0: And they all strive to find a piece of their dignity and then they start glowing again for a brief moment and then they just fall fall even harder. down.
1: It really is, but I, I mean, I have to say that I—it just really that whole horse scene, and then all of when all these parallels began to came become really apparent. It really, really paid off for me. I, I felt like it was a real struggle through the opening bits, but
2: yeah, there are parts of the opening, yeah, that I find kind of, kind of strange. And and it, but but it's you know the thing is, I mean, for a lesser director, it might have been you know just accidental. But John Huston is such a a craftsman with his work that all that stuff is there for a reason. All those uncomfortable moments are there. For a reason, and I think the, this whole film is sort of John Huston just just relishing the sort of creepiness of choosing three actors, three great actors who are on their last legs to play three characters who are on their last legs. Because at this point in in their careers, I mean, uh, Gable was was pretty much done. He was it was you know he was no longer the handsome leading man, and he was he was not well uh uh Marilyn Monroe had burned many bridges, and yeah, she wasn't very hard. To she work was with. marked with difficult because and she would not show up, yeah, mentioning also.
1: that on this particularly, which was her last film, I mean it yeah. almost was unsalvageable at and, least
2: why, well, and in poor poor Montgomery Clift, who had his entire career had just had this was this tortured soul who who dove into drugs and alcohol very early and and had this horrible car accident that that ruined his face. And this um, is the same guy when he looked right
0: into the lens, he melted people because he was so handsome. Right. And before, and now he's County. this piece of shoe leather on the screen. And I think this is one of his best roles. It I is, really, really do. I think that he brings a realism he never, ever had in Monsignor right. or. Well, and that's what's, um, what's,
2: what's really sad about Clift is like the next film he did after this one is Judgment at Nuremberg, where he plays a victim of, uh, of Nazi sterilization. And it's just heartbreak. Absolutely one of the best things anyone has ever done. And uh, and Cliff was just, I don't know, he was beginning to really get this, but he had these personal issues that just tortured him. And like I said, by 1966, five years after this film, he was gone. Yep, he Marilyn was, Monroe, within you know, a year, she was gone. And Clark and Gable, Gable, Clark heart, Gable according to to trivia, uh, at the end of the shooting, the day, last day of shooting, Clark Gable said that he was so glad it was over because he was afraid that that she, Marilyn Monroe, was going to give him a heart attack. The next day, he had a heart attack and he died 11 days after that. So he never saw
0: this film finish. Oh, I think the, so the thing sad. that gave him a heart attack in that film was when she was doing the paddle ball scene. That's going <laughs> gave him a lot heart of heart attack, attack yeah. That was a heart attack, and scene not if I've ever seen. That, seen
1: that. I was just like, "Come on. Five, come on. That's a very that's
2: very John Houston and the, my favorite part of that is there's there's a uh, uh, James Barton who was the star of the stage version of Paint Your Wagon. Plays this <laughs> old kind of prospector guy, he's got his grandson with yeah. him. And he's drunk. He's really drunk. And he puts his little grandson who's dressed like Hoplon Cassidy on the bar and gets him a soda, but during the paddleball thing when Thelma Ritter sets sets her drink down and the little kid
1: starts drinking it it, and by the end of
2: the kid's just comatose he's just staring out in the ground where'd you get the money for that
0: (laughs) for those of you that haven't seen this movie there's this magnificent scene in this movie where Marilyn Monroe takes one of those child's paddles with a ball on it and does this of course it's edited um, but
1: yeah, I doubted somehow that she actually was that good. <laughs> but there, at there's ball. a whole
0: group of cowboys are watching her in this tight outfit taking paddle bets. ball taking bats and she's going up to like 67 68. They're all counting off and John Houston takes his camera and it's only like five shots. I used mm. to think it was a lot of shots when I think back to it because of course you're thinking about things and um, not you Nikki, but I, <laughs> I am thinking about those things. Um, she's got this tight dress on and she's pounding away and then he does a couple low shots and a couple high shots and you see that you know, there, for about 15 seconds there, old Marilyn Monroe is back to her deadly, yeah. deadly scream presence that we reviewed in Asphalt Jungle, where she just took that town by storm. And this is, what, 10 years later?
2: Right, George? Uh, Yeah, at least.
0: 10 yeah. years is a lifetime for this woman in this picture. When you compare her to Asphalt Jungle in this movie. Beginning and the
2: end, yeah. Well, her her career was scene. only
1: 10 years yeah. from first to last movie? Less, less
2: than, yeah, yeah, I mean, if you really consider where she really got going and became... Marilyn Monroe, Mm, it's mm. even less than that.
0: And when you think about the movie stars of today, um, women that are 36 years old and 40 years old and 42, they're having a lot more success on the screen than Marilyn Monroe did when she was 36 years old. Mm -hmm. They're not considered old and over the hill. Where at this time, I think that Marilyn just worn out every producer in town in more
2: ways that we can probably talk about. Now um, the the third irony, or I don't know if this is third fourth, or something like that. One of the many ironies, of, one the... of the many ironies of the misfits <laughs> is the, the the screenwriter, famed playwright Arthur Miller, who at the time he wrote this was married to Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Monroe. He did not have a heart attack though. No,
0: he
2: got <laughs> she ripped. killed
1: everyone else, but he lived.
2: And the the other, she was the scorched earth one of this movie. <laughs> to add the to top on that. Miller wrote this screenplay. Before he wrote it as a screenplay, he wrote it as a short story. And while he was writing the story, he was in Reno awaiting his Reno divorce so that he could marry Marilyn Monroe.
1: Well, well, well. We're talking about Misfits, the 1961 John Huston film starring Marilyn and Clark Gable and Montgomery Clift. And a perfect movie, you know. It's perfect, um, man. I'll tell you one thing, though, that almost ruined it for me is that this freakish. Stupid use of soft focus on Marilyn Monroe. If you notice, and it's some shots even, it was early on, Clark Gable's on one side of of a single shot. He's on the right, she's on the left, and she's all fuzzy. And he's clear. Now, what's it's interesting, just like, I think
2: if you go back and you look at that again, I'll bet, because I noticed that too, but sometimes she was and sometimes she wasn't. Yeah. And I often wonder if you see if the shots of her in softer focus are point of view shots from like Clark Gable or... One of the guys, how they see her.
1: Oh, no, see, now that would actually be interesting now, keep, to again, me. Otherwise, John, it just seems hopeful. Keep this in
0: Houston. mind too. You know, when those it's it's always better to photograph people's close-ups in the morning than the afternoon. You know, so because gravity days or that yeah. You yeah, what? Gravity I mean, pull your bags. It's amazing <laughs> what happens in a couple hours. But it is my guess that she was so strung out <laughs> at times. Oh yeah, you oh. know through her because I heard that she didn't even come to set sometimes because she was so strung out on her on her
1: um, pills, narcotics or yeah. whatever they were. Yeah.
0: My guess is they may have cracked that small focus just so they could take some of the lines yeah, out, the line of, her out of her face. Sure. That happens. That happens. And- well,
1: no, it reminded me like Star Trek. Remember the original TV series where all the men were clear and all the women were fuzzy? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought, well, no one's going to believe that, at least not these days. But that's interesting. I'll see that. I like that I'll, idea. I'll point that again, of view. I
2: think that that might be part of it. Also, another when we were talking about Gable, um a lot of people believe that what really did Gable in was the stress of some of the so because the the scene where he is dragged by the horse yep. it is actually him. Yeah, he did his own stunt and he was supposed to. He was supposed to have a stunt man, but he got so tired. He was getting bored of waiting for Marilyn Monroe to show up. Why don't I try that they, this? Uh, they did it himself, and I think that the and you watch... Much
0: this it. is an old movie star in this picture, and you watch some of those. Um, they're really kind of cutaways because you can't see the horse. He's tugging on the rope, and they do that a lot with a, a gimbal or a grip is up there on a like piece of scaffolding, and he's pulling on that. And when I watch that very closely, I know how they're doing that. They're not doing it with a real horse. I would bank on that, but I'm not sure. But um you watch Gable do that, he shows you how it's done as an actor. He actually it's very convincing. Looks like he's pulling on a horse. He knows just where to do that to make it look like he's just like a little technique for acting, and only these old guys knew how to do it because they had to do everything back in the everything, 20s, everything
2: was facade. Yeah. You know,
1: I haven't seen it in years, but um, watching this movie made me want to go back and watch Gone with the Wind and, mm-hmm. and do it. I think, little I think Gable
2: is, Gable is much better in this than he is in Gone with the Wind. Oh, did I say that? Um, oh, no, I well, mean, I mean, and, and even he felt this, he felt that this was one of his best pieces. Yeah, he was so excited. I think
0: Boomtown is is. is
2: I mean, that was one of his early movies, and yeah. I
0: always think of him Boomtown, how much he's changed, but he's still Gable. Right. He still knows how to look at just that side of the lens and do the Gable, you know? It's kind of hard to watch him, but after a few minutes, you're kind of comfortable because it's him. Right, well, I with.
2: think if you go early, early, I think Red Dust with, with uh, Gene Harlow, I mean, it's like sets a sets film on fire, and it is nitrate, but I mean, just <laughs> the, the chemistry between them, and, that, and they're both really, you know, two really, really good-looking people, who are just absolutely lusting after each other. But this one, here's the end, at the end of his career, and he's still a good-looking guy. Very, you know, older, you know, somewhat gray, but still got that Gable charm. And he Did really, we give away the ending on this movie? Uh, no, we didn't. Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. Okay. It's 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 well done, and, I, uh, and, and the end really, really sealed it for me. If it was going to be sort of like more of the same all the way through to the end, I, I was going to have to they give it a thumbs down. They all compromise for just but... a
0: little bit more time in their life. They just yeah. compromise. Yeah. And, you know, they all kind of soften up, and Gable, you know, jumps off his hard line, and... Because they all want Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. They, they, they all want her.
1: We're talking about the misfits on Filmically Perfect on 91.3 one three WY. So, gentlemen, we're quickly running out of time, but I wanted to review the rules. I wanted to uh, let's say, rule number one. It uh, certainly Radio, creates the world. I'll, that's I'll, right, man. I'll give you that. Yeah,
2: and yeah. It, although a lot of it is shot on location, it's it's there's a definite continuity to everything in it. It's, it, it is kind of gritty, and really I like, like how you said it. Western. Who said
1: it? it until the end when everything opens? It up. opens and up it literally. This stark.
0: Stark reality of the salt flax yeah before that it's like somebody falling down a set of stairs for about 40 minutes (laughs) it just keeps going and going it certainly sustains that's bad but these are characters that are trying to find their way you know and uh, of course they take a detour Mm -hmm. another cheap way in life and um, another bottle of booze yeah and they always sustain that world you know the horses are the the perfect metaphor for what they're doing
1: and despite cultural changes, also there's that element of the Western that that is always going to appeal, certainly to America, and I think it even has been proven around the globe that there's right. a, something about the American West. But this that is
0: like a a very dark,
2: and, yeah. This this and, Western and, and is, nihilist Western. Yeah, this Western has fallen flat on its face. You know. It's, yeah. It's this dry, is the cowboy that's not Gene Autry
0: or Roy Rogers. This is a he, ridden hard and put away. He's wet, gonna go get his
2: head. horse and eat it for dog food. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Very sad. But it ends up Trigger in a can. It Trigger is in a can. A perfect serving it to his lovable movie. dog. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, I know. And what is the phrase he used? He kept saying, They they went and uh, Clark Gable kept saying they went and changed it or made it dirty or made it something. I can't remember what the phrase was, but it was very very, uh it was good, and it, and it sort of applied to everything. That everything started oh. out so good and with such yeah. ideals, and yet um, by the end, they just they went and changed it. He was saying, it "Nothing be- can
0: live unless one thing dies." Ooh,
1: Ooh. Think about it. Clark All right, it. gentlemen, as we wrap up another edition of Filmically Perfect on ninety-one-three WYSO, add Misfits to your list of the perfect <sighs> movies. There's no question about it. Now, as George will be thinking up a uh, interesting sure, and yet not too.
2: What kind Hard. of dog food? No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> We will remind you that you can uh, contact the film guys at filmguysperfectmovie.net. At or go to the WYSO website, WYSO.org. There's links to uh, archived editions of the show, as well as you can find them at perfectmovie.net. Look for us on iTunes at npr.org. And uh, sign up. We'll uh, keep you up on the lowdown. If you uh, would like more information, do contact us. You can call us toll free 800-801-9976. Always a pleasure to sit with you, gentlemen. The uh, Nitrate Film Archive for the Library of Congress and Mr. George Lillman. Thank you. And, start... and it's more my
0: pleasure sitting with you, Nikki Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> the, Are you sure? The SASSpot commentator from WYSO. <laughs>